So the big question is this. How can runners like you, who aren't professional athletes or paid sponsored runners, avoid injury and increase athletic performance to enjoy running race events for the rest of your life without wasting money on trends or using dangerous painkiller drugs? That is the question. And on hashtag Run Pain Free Podcast, your host, Jessica Marie Rose Leggio, gives you the answers. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to the Run Pain-Free podcast. I am your girl, Coach Jessica, here from the Run Pain-Free Academy, and I'm excited to talk to you today about the most important joint when it comes to not only human function, but long-distance running, (laughs) and that is the hip. So today we're talking about secrets of a healthy hip. Now, if you haven't listened to the SOAS, if you haven't listened to the IT band, if you haven't listened to uh, how working out will affect you as a runner on those podcasts, I encourage you to please go listen to those after you listen to this because they're all going to be intermingled and I'm going to talk about them all kind of briefly. So the secrets to a healthy hip is understanding how important your glutes function and firings happening for your hip to function. So what happens is tissue is first, joint is second, and muscle is last. When you have hip dysfunction, you actually don't feel your hips. You feel it in your lower legs. So things like plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendonitis, foot pain, calf problems, shin splints, that's all signs that your hip is actually not healthy, if you will. Excuse me. And it's where you would want to feel your hip. You want to feel your hip in the lower part of your leg. You don't want to feel your hip at your hip. Speaking from a hip injury myself, anybody who comes to me with hip pain is immediately on my severe list. I have a severe injured list. There's always a number one most severe injured that everybody winds up knowing. And it's a list that you generally don't want to be on. But It's because there's so much that happens at your hip joint that when you're already feeling pain there, so many other things happen that you totally ignored, that you totally stifled, that you smothered and completely disregarded. And now you have actual hip pain and you really need to address that aggressively. So when we talk about having a healthy hip, it really is a secret to what it takes to have a healthy hip because you don't know you have a hip issue until you actually feel your hip pain for the most part. So what I hope that all of my podcasts, events, live streams, and information that I give out there gives you all is that pain is always referred from somewhere else, even with direct impact. How much or how little you're in pain and where you're in pain is result of something else that was off and you just are feeling pain in the most vulnerable spot. So... When you're feeling pain in the lower part of your leg, it's a complete red flag that it is your hip. Knee pain has nothing to do with your knee. It is 100% your hip. There's nothing really wrong with your knee. But because you guys put braces on and shots on and don't foam roll, you disallow the knee function because the hip is dysfunctioning and then you create a knee injury because you've smothered it, ignored it, disregarded it and what have you. And you didn't go after the root, which is the hip. So all of these things are signs that your hip is not healthy. And in order to get your hip healthy, you have to address it. 
and the way you address it is by addressing your glutes. Now it's not, uh, you know, it's not rocket science that everybody's like, oh, my, my glutes are weak. It's more so that you guys are in dysfunction and they're weak. I don't call any runner or any athlete weak for you know, at all. You're just all in dysfunction. All humans are. The difference between that and a long distance runner is a long distance runner is basic human function with velocity at extreme. So you're just doing walking, which is the most basic form of human function with extreme and velocity on it. So any issues you have as a basic human is going to show up on running. And so running therefore gets a bad rep, but you really need to thank the run because the run is getting you to fix it early on so that when you're not in your 60s, 70s and 80s, you break your hip, break your knee, break your back, break your ankle, have pins and nuts and bolts and plates all over your body. Your running is actually saving your body by exposing any dysfunction you have while you have the ability and the strength to actually fix it. So let that be a side note for you. Go write that down somewhere and start thanking your runs for saving your later life. Okay. Um, I digress. So when we talk about the, the hip itself, if the hips and the glutes are not talking at the same time, then there's going to be an issue. And so the glutes are the laziest muscle in the body, yet they're the most important muscle in the body because they are where the body cancels at zero. So it's at the mid part. So it dictates up and dictates down. So your spine, you know, sits on your glutes. So if your glutes aren't firing, your entire spine is basically sitting on a cloud. And when your glutes don't fire, you actually then rely on your hamstrings to do the job of the glutes. And like you've heard me say a million times, for every one muscle in the body, there is a default muscle for that muscle ready to work. And for the glutes, the default muscle is the hamstrings. So there is no such thing as tight hamstrings. And that is a dancer telling you that. There is something called dysfunctional hamstrings. The moment we get your hamstrings in function, immediately you have extension. Immediately. And this is hundreds of people that I've done this with. So it's because we have to get the glutes to fire so that the hamstrings can relax. If the hamstrings don't feel the glutes firing, they're never going to relax. And the reason why this becomes a deep issue is because the hamstrings are right up underneath your sacrum. Your sacrum is the lowest part of your spine. It's also attached to the lumbar, which is where your back starts to curve. So that's the most vulnerable part of your spine, which is why you have L4, L5, and S1 as the most common disc issues in America, specifically in America. Our lifestyle here is very... Uh, it's very busy. We don't rest. They overeat. It's a very big specific issue here. I could say this is an issue for all humans, but I know for a fact it's a very, very high issue in this country, L4, L5, S1. But just biomechanically as a human being, these are the most vulnerable discs and parts of your vertebrae, okay? So when we're talking about the glutes not firing and the glutes not and the glutes being weak there is a much more deeper and more serious issue happening that most runners are completely oblivious to and that's why i give you these in-depth conversations and the streams and the lives because you're not going to hear what i talk about online i myself google and i am amazed at what i see I'm amazed at what comes up. So if you're taking anything that you see on Google on the first two pages alone as expertise, uh, you are sorely mistaken. 
you need to dig a little bit more. And I encourage you to really look for like case studies and, and things of that nature, because anybody could write a blog, anybody could write an article. And there's a lot of information out there that can hurt you um, with someone being misinformed themselves or missing a piece to the, to the puzzle. So when we're talking about how important the hip is and how hard it is to keep it healthy, it is actually a secret. It literally is because it's so hidden and it is such a, um, such a, a big joint that it has to go through so many other things before you actually feel it. The back, back pain, you will feel back pain before you feel hip pain, 100%. Majority of back pain is referred hip pain. It's very hidden. The hip is very hidden. It does everything it possibly can for you to not have hip pain. And you, that's the body being, you know, the best machine in the world. It's the, it's really doing everything it can to support you and not have hip pain. Because if you've heard anything about the hip later in life, you've heard that the worst thing you have is getting a hip replacement later in life. It is the worst thing to do. Once you get a hip replacement, it's all downhill from there. A lot of people say that, especially when talking about later on, because anybody who is saying that doctors, uh, professionals in, uh, in that kind, they know the mechanics of it and how much it dictates. And so I'm here to explain that to you. So most muscles and joints, the joint fires, um, the joint moves and signals the muscle to fire and things start to happen in domino effect. When we're talking about the hip and the glute, they literally have to happen at the same time. So the glute fires, the hip can be mobile. The moment the hip is mobile, it generates power for the glute to be stabilized. So these things happen all at the same time. So I have extensive experience in mobility, firing systems, um, domino effects of the mechanics of how the body moves, both in sport and in basic, basic human function both in dysfunction and in function. And when, as soon as your heel hits the ground, you literally fire your glute. That's biomechanics. It's, it's, it's an automatic response. The minute your toe hits the ground, your anterior tibialis, shin splint muscle right there, your quad, your calf, your quad, and your hip flexor are jammed, jammed, literally. So, when you are going through, when you walk as a normal human, you're rolling heel to heel to toe. So every time you hit the ground on your heel, your glute should fire. If your glute doesn't fire, your hip is still functioning because it, it has to move because you're walking, but it's functioning with zero stability, zero stability. So now your quad overdevelops. You put more weight into your toe every time you roll through. This is all happening and you don't know it. You roll through and you're putting more weight into the balls of your foot. So a lot of people have arch pain and foot pain and don't understand why. This is just basic human function. I'm not even talking about a runner yet because what running does is just put everything I just said to an extreme and puts load onto it, okay? So now you're putting, naturally, you're just going into your toes more as you walk and you start to build your quads on a regular daily basis and that's how people become quad dominant who don't even lift weight or do anything like that. It's just how they're moving. They are developing their quads when they should be developing their glutes. But because they're walking imbalanced and using the front part of their body, because the glute needs exceptional focus to fire, 
it's not happening naturally. And so when you talk about how the hip is going to function, the hip is only going to function with support around it. And if the glute is not firing, the hip is not functioning. And so now you have all this added weight in the front and now you have built out quads. And so the quads pull forward and pull on your pelvis and your hip flexors. And you all have what you've heard is anterior pelvic tilt. Well, that's actually BS. Not that it doesn't exist, but the reason why it's happening is not because you have a weak back. It is not because you have tight hip flexors. It is because your psoas muscle, that is the deepest muscle in the body that attaches to your entire lumbar spine, which goes all the way down to your sacrum, okay, and comes through in between your sacrum and your hip joints, your pelvis down into and attaches down into your inner thigh, up in your groin. So tight groin, groin strains, hamstring strains, piriformis syndrome, sciatica, tight hip flexors, torn hip labrums are all because your hip doesn't function. If you have hamstring strains up top, guess what's also a problem? Your calf because your hamstrings go into your calf. Muscles connect to bone via tendon. What is your Achilles called? The Achilles tendon. The Achilles tendon is the tendon that attaches your hamstrings to your heel. The hamstrings become the Achilles tendon and then insert into your heel. So when you think about all of these things, all then you start to understand why your hip is so crucial for hip health, hip health for your longevity as a human, let alone as a long distance runner or anybody who wants to be active. So now let's say you don't feel your hip again, right? You don't feel your hip again, but you have one, two or three of the things I just mentioned, but you go now and hit the gym. So now you're going to go into a squat rack and you're going to load a squat rack, put a bar across your C-spine with weight on it. So now you compressed your whole spine and mind you right where your rib cage kind of begins where the bra strap of a woman is, okay? That's where your T-spine ends and your lumbar begins. Guys, your lumbar spine is not the curve of your back. The lumbar spine is all the way at the tip, is in the mid part of your spine between your shoulder blades and goes all the way down and then forms the curve and then hits into your sacrum, okay? That's also a big misconception. The entire thing is lumbar. It is the biggest part of your back and the psoas muscle is along the entire side of that. You have the QL muscles out right outside the, the psoas muscles. And those muscles flutter with your diaphragm. So when your back goes into spasm, the QL muscle is what's spasming. And then you can't take a big breath because it's actually touching your, um, it's touching your diaphragm. So the worst thing to do is lay down. The best thing to do is to walk because then you'll give your, your, your spine blood flow, give those muscles around it blood flow, and they will ease up and relax. But the idea is let me lay down and not move. That's not a good sign because then you will stabilize and solidify that spasm for hours on it. Sidebar. So when you go and load, the, load your C-spine, you now compress your spine. So now you already have a psoas that is restricting mobility of your lumbar. And when you squat, what part of your spine extends? Your lumbar. But you now have weight on your neck, compressing all of your vertebrae from the C-spine, from the top, top, top. So now you think you're going to sit back. You don't. You crouch into your quad. And so you 
completely flex your hip flexors and load them with weight at the same time. Not, not even like your body weight is enough, because by the way, that is. So now you have your body weight plus weight, and now you're crouching totally into your quads in your knee joint, and you're falling forward, and all that pressure is on your neck, and then you stand up thinking you did a squat. You didn't even begin doing a squat from the moment you put the squat rack on your neck. The moment you put the bar on your neck, you didn't, you didn't even do a squat at all. Yet you do this over and over again, or hey, you don't put any weight on, you just use the bar, or you go and take kettlebells and do a squat with kettlebells on your side. The entire mechanic still happens. The worst of it is doing a squat rack squat with the bar across your neck. But any level of you building muscle when your hips are in dysfunction, your hip joints are not going to allow you to put load on your hip joints. It's going to put you in a position and contort you to to go into your quads because that's easier. Your quads are the biggest muscle group in the body. They're dense. They can handle a lot of weight. That's where they're going to go. They're not going to, it's not going to allow you to extend your lumbar spine because your psoas is pulling on that, not going to let you happen. It attaches in your groin so you can't sit back into your hips like you should in a squat. You can't be heel heavy because heels mean booty. And so now everything goes forward and you repeat this every time you go to the gym thinking you're doing something. When you've not even started even the thought process for your glutes to actually fire. All you've done is continue to build quad dominancy, which is what I just said you were doing every day as you're walking in the streets. Even though you're walking heel to toe like a normal human being, you actually are putting more weight into your toes every time you go through. And day after day after day, you're building that muscular daily development. Because anything repetitive is conditioned. Anything. So when I'm correcting somebody and I put you into a Nike free, I'm like, you better be wearing these all the time. No matter where you go, you have sneakers on. These are your sneakers. And I get people with the crazy stability sneakers that I throw out the window. And I'm like, no, you can't run in these. They're like, okay, well, I'll keep them for walking. Uh, no, um, walking is just slow running. So why on earth do you think that would be okay? And not for nothing. You do live a hell of a lot more walking than you do running. So you would definitely not want to be in those still very stifling, crippling, if you will, sneakers to a gait, to hip function, to biomechanics as a human being. You wouldn't want to put yourself in those shoes and walk around town and have about it because you're conditioning that whole time. You need to be in something like a Nike free that literally frees up your hip from your foot. This way, your foot, your, you can roll through the whole thing. There's nothing there restricting you from walking incorrectly. And there's nothing there that is going to disallow you from walking incorrectly. So you're going to feel it and you're going to correct it like that. You're going to feel if your ankle rolls. You're going to feel if you're in your toe too much. You will lose your balance. You will roll to the side. Yeah. When you're in a stability sneaker, that does not happen. I just had a client the other day who's wanting to run trails and she was in the stupid sneaker and said, I realize now what you mean because I was on the trail in the stupid sneaker and I I hit um, rocks or something and she couldn't bring her leg back. The sneaker took her over and rolled her ankle. And in that moment, she knew she didn't have any control of her foot. The sneaker did it. And there you go. When the sneaker is dictating stuff, we got problems. No one should be dictating your body but you. 
period. Nothing and no one. But if you have a stability sneaker on, you eat on, you, you immediately disallow function from the hip or any dictation that you have for your body. That's how serious a sneaker is. So when I'm so psycho about plantar fasciitis um, and uh, lower leg pain, foot pain, and I have an entire masterclass at runpainfreeacademy.com, go in there now and sign into it because the entire masterclass on plantar fasciitis talks about how important this is that this goes away because if not it's just going to rot your hip function and you do not want a hip replacement i'm telling you this from experience i've worked with many 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 people with hip replacements you do not want one and here's a sidebar just because you get a new hip doesn't mean your hip is fine you still are in dysfunction from why it rotted in the first place so you still need to correct that mobility you still need to create the stability just because you got a titanium hip means jack by the way, you still have to fix around it. But because now you have titanium in there, the illusion is, oh, I'm fine. This will never rot. Wrong. Not the case. Not the case. Other things will happen. The other hip will go. Your psoas, your piriformis, hamstrings, all of that will be a problem. I promise you. So stop that. That's an illusion. Okay. Band-aids are real and they can be very expensive, these band-aids, but they are real. Anyway, I digress again. So this is why when the hip is unhealthy, it is extremely secret and it's secret when you go at it from the inside out. So you have to go into it, even though you're, I've had people say, well, my hip doesn't hurt. I don't care. Your problem is your hip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my hip doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Like I said, your problem is your hip. Be thankful it doesn't hurt yet. It will though, eventually. So that's another thing. Your, your, your hip is a, is a very good kept secret. It is. And so what you have to do is you have to retrain your basic human function of literally sitting down properly, excuse me, and standing up properly. You have to learn that function again, which is basic squatting, basic squatting, just your body. I can't tell you how many bodybuilders I've worked with over the years who come to me for back pain or in, um, they're imbalanced with muscular development and it's because they have an, a deep dysfunction. And so I need to get them in a balanced way so their muscles can actually develop properly since they are actually uh, graded on their muscular development. And I cannot tell you how many of them could not do a basic squat with zero weight. And these guys are putting up hundreds and hundreds of pounds on squats but they cannot do a basic squat with body weight, let alone a kettlebell because they have lost the function in their spine and the extension in their spine and their sacrum will not allow them to go into it because they know the hips are unstable. Once the, and by the way, here's this part. There really is actually no actual hip muscles. Okay. Your glute muscles wrap around the sides. The TFL muscle literally is the exact same linear, uh, same pattern of your IT band. And it's, it's almost the same size. And the IT band where, where the TFL muscles attach up around the hip, it's actually the, the IT band is actually thicker than it and is much more dominant. And guys, where you put your hands on your so-called hips is your pelvis, by the way. Your hips are down in your upper thigh. Your hips are down. If you're a female, you may have an indent in your thigh right there. Those indents means you have a lack of muscle there, by the way. 
And women, we, our hips are wider than men. So we actually have to do much more hip development so that we actually build those muscles out to support our hips that are wider than our knees. Men are pretty straight. So they have a very narrow hip to knee line. It's very narrow, it's very straight, it's very linear. Women go out from the knee up. So that's where we call a Q angle. If you are a woman and you take your hands at your sides, and if you're a man, you could do the same thing just to check. If you take your hands at the side of your hips, right, the sides, and draw a straight line down, you have lost space. Your, le- your, your hands come off of your body at some point and you're not touching anything. You have lost space when it gets to your knees. So that's called the Q angle. That means we're at a deficit to be having more of the knee injuries. That's why women are more prone to have knee injuries and make up the majority of knee injuries. Men have less knee injuries, although they do have knee injuries, they have less of it. A man will have a torn hip labrum, however, before a female. That's also that because they don't have the way if, if a, a, a man that has a torn hip labrum is someone who's generally like a, for the most part, sub 10 minute runner, characteristically sub 10 minute runner has very weak back in terms of muscular development. I call it twisted back where they actually think they're standing straight, but they're kind of off to the side from the waist up. And then they run like that. So their waist and their pelvis and their sacrum, the sacrum is very, very hypermobile, hyper, hyper, hypermobile. And they overuse that hypermobility with no stability. And it rots away at the labrum, which is around the inside of the hip, round part of the hip head. So that happens a lot. Also very common with hamstring strains in males as well, but the hamstring strains in males are in the mid part of the back of the thigh. So where a female would be up underneath the glute more so. So there's very, very definitive characteristics of all of these injuries. And I've spent, again, over 80,000 hours doing this. That's why I can talk to you guys like this, but I try to give you a lot of information without confusing you. Although I understand that that's tends to be hard at times. So please, I encourage you to message wherever you hear this podcast, ask questions if it's confusing. I I want you to to reach out to us and ask us for more information, be clear about things. We want to make sure we're giving you clear information. Please go on over to the Run Pain-Free Academy, runpainfreeacademy.com. That is where all of our educational resources are, our masterclasses, our podcasts, our live streams are replayed there. It is a very quaint, quiet positive community of all of our curriculum. So please go on over there and take a look at that. So back onto the hip. So when we start to address it, we start to address it by looking at the hip function with the stability of the glute right to left. And you have to really pull it apart piece by piece by piece so that you can see which part of the hip is working, which part of the hip isn't. Which movement does it like? What movement does it not like? Where is it stable? Where is it not stable? And that's when you start to realize where everything is going on. And the more the hip trusts that you're actually trying to fix it, the more the hip will expose all of its problems, period. But if it doesn't trust you, and for the most part, it doesn't trust you, it's not going to reveal itself to you. It's going to lock up at the sacrum. It's going to lock up at your hip flexors. It's going to make you use your hamstrings and will scream at you when it just can't do it anymore. And that's when you have pain 
and that's when you finally stop running. And the moment you continue to focus on wherever your pain is, the worse the hip will continue to get. My number one severe right now has been since September, a hip person, very severe. He knocked everybody out of the park. Before him, there was a psoas and torn hip labrum person was number one severe before him. And he got knocked out by this guy. And the, the severity of his hip was it went so unaddressed that it was up in the air whether or not he actually needed a hip replacement. So my job was let me see how much juice he has left in this hip. Is there anything I can save? Can I prevent this from having a hip, a hip surgery or a hip replacement? And I'm happy to report, I did talk about, I've talked about this a few times on some recent podcasts, but just a few months in, I took him needing a hip replacement off the table. When you lose hip flexion, the ability to lift your leg by yourself, that pretty much means you're about to need a hip replacement because that is the, when you flex your hip, it's because your glute is extending. And when you straighten your hip flexor, your glute has to fire. So every fire has an extension, has to, that's the trade-off. So when the glute is firing, your hamstrings extend and your hip flexor extends. When your glutes are stretching, your hamstrings are flexing and your hip flexor is flexing, but your quad is stretching. So uh, that has to happen at all times. The extension and flexion have to complement one another. When those things are not happening, all these other muscles are happening, exhausting themselves because they do not do this function. Every muscle has a very specific function. And when things are compromising, they are exhausting themselves in dysfunction. At the same time, they're actually building muscle in dysfunction. So they're getting worse, stronger. Literally, you will build your injury worse. You will make your injury stronger by doing these things. And who suffers? The hip joint. And then that's it. Done. Once your hips are done, that's it. Bye-bye. Done. And I literally broke my hip, fractured my hip, and I broke off the top of my femur where the neck of the, of the hip and the femur connect. I didn't have any surgery. I don't know where that chip is or where it went. I didn't have any surgery and it took a year for me to figure out that we could fix my hip through correction, through mobility work, through a process of elimination of what was a problem, what wasn't a problem. And that's when I realized the difference between what we do here at Run Pain Free and what every other profession in this type of realm, uh, whether it's PT, chiropractor, um, orthopedic, all those types of things, um, the difference between all of us was very clear to me at that point. But I have no hip pain. I have no hip pain. I never had surgery, have no hip pain. Did my bone recalcify? 100%. Is it rickety at times because I can I can feel the ricketiness? Sure, I can feel that it's not smooth sometimes, but pain? No, don't have pain. Absolutely not. And when your IT band is pulling because you're not rolling enough and you're using your body and things are in dysfunction, you should have pain because that's the whole point of pain. It's giving you feedback that you haven't been doing something properly and you need to do it properly. You need to release it, give it the juice that it needs so it can fire for you. If you do not release the tissue off of your hip, knee, back, and shoulder, 
you will never get to your glute muscle to fire it, to train it, to condition your hip joint to talk to your glute so the glute can support the hip joint. It'll never happen. Never, ever, ever, ever happen. I've done it both ways for many, many, many years. There is a distinct difference between rolling and prepping the body to perform and just going for it. You guaranteed injury, go for it, guaranteed injury. That's why 80% of runners in this world are injured. 80% of runners are injured. That is an insane amount. It's an insane amount. There's nothing else to say, it's just crazy. No, it, and the and the reason is there's some narrative that you all should be in order to be a runner you should be in pain. I don't know where the hell this came from, but nobody is signing on to that. Nobody signs on to that. And if you really think that that's some kind of badge of honor, you're sorely mistaken. And I mean sorely mistaken. You have to address your hip to keep your hip healthy. If you don't feel your hip, that doesn't mean that it's healthy. Okay, that's why it is a secret. And the secret to getting your healthy hip in line is making sure that your glutes can fire, that you have back extension, lumbar extension, hip flexion. If you do not have hip flexion and back extension, you don't have ankle flexion. And I don't know where you think you are running without ankle flexion. I don't, I have no idea. Where are you walking without ankle flexion? flexion? Nowhere. So it is a secret to whether you have a healthy hip or not. And it is no longer a secret how to fix it. Thanks to Run Pain Free and your girl, Coach Jess. So I hope you all got a lot from this. Please message us. Please reach out to us. RunPainFreeAcademy.com. RunPainFreePodcast.com. Share it. Help us save the 80% of runners out there that are running in pain and they don't need to be. Thank you all. Have an awesome day. You're listening to the Run Pain Free Podcast. Brought to you by the Run Pain Free Academy. Featuring biomechanics, athletic injury correction, and conditioning expert, Jessica Marie Rose Leggio. Subscribe to us as you leave a positive review on iTunes.